Says, get that India, big boy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and all those listening to the tip sheet. I'm your host, John, aka 4020. We're back for another episode, the uh, preview and news edition. Joining me as always is my good mate, 60s. Good to have you on, champ. How you doing? Mate, doing brilliantly. There's never a week that isn't a big week for the Cumberland Throw. We're coming off our podcast that we did, our, our instant reaction podcast in the review of that incredible win from the Eels over the Raiders. So really looking forward to this preview edition. And, uh, you know, we like to keep things fresh on the podcast and we also pride ourselves on our ability to secure some pretty cool uh, guests and uh, you know guest hosts and and people coming on and I think we've outdone ourselves this week with uh, one of the big the big names in uh, the social media scene and easily one of the most identifiable uh, social media presences in the NRL. Yes, mate. Really looking forward to this. All right. Well, let's get into it. Forty. Our guest today has arguably changed the landscape of social media in the NRL. In fact, I reckon if there'd be uh, any NRL supporter out there engaging with social media who isn't aware of the NRL race, I'd be greatly surprised. In our opinion, he's one of the most important influences in the game, and we mean that in a positive way. We're going to talk to him about the fun to be found in rugby league. Dean, welcome to the tip sheet. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, champ. So first up, I mean, uh, 60s alluded to it, but there are some negative connotations of influencer, but how do you see yourself as an influencer in the sphere of the NRL? Yeah, no, look, when you said influence, it made me think, and uh, I'm, I'm currently on my way to Byron Bay to shoot uh, some products on the beach for about a million bucks a pop. But, uh, no, honestly, <laughs> I've never I've never really, you know, uh, considered an, an influencer as, as the title, but you're right, it does have some, some I suppose, negative um, uh, connotations to it. So you think of an influencer, you think of, you know, someone promoting products on their Instagram page and, and things like that's my first thought. But I suppose in, in the NRL world, um, you could say, yes, in a, in a positive way, I think I'm a, a, an influencer in, you know, a lot of fans do sort of come to the page to, to get some news and um, a lot of other pages, uh, you know, are thinking the way that I'm thinking and, and posting that sort of content. So, in the NRL world, yeah, I suppose as bad as the influencer does sound, it's probably um, on its way to being a bit correct. Yeah. And but uh, sorry, sorry, I just say like I, I just sort of consider myself basically a bit of a con. Like if I gave myself a name, it'd be just a content guy. Yeah. I, I'm I'm really intrigued by social media, how we engage with it, and how you know people on social media how how they engage with it, and and I'm just sort of here to try and help entertain people while using it basically. i think the tag of content producer is is much fairer on the work that you do for sure yeah yeah like i, I suppose I'm, you guys are the same you probably hate that influencer name but it does have you know it depends on which way you look at it like and you know i'm posting things is what i'm saying what i'm doing influencing the way people think about rugby league then Possibly yes. So, does that make me an influencer? I'm not sure. The, the page is the influence, not not me. I think a lot of people, when they're you know using their Instagram for you know 
posting themselves on the beach or you know at the pub, whatever, then they're using themselves as influencers. Mm-hmm. Mine's more the page is the, is the influencer, not me personally. That's fair. Yeah, well, look, as far as I'm concerned, Paris just cracked the 30K mark for – uh, members, I'll put myself down for 10k of those. I'll, I'll <laughs> 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 so, how many years now, mate, is that the NRL roast has been around? Because it really does feel like you're part of the uh, rugby league fabric. Thank you. Um, so, the, the roast itself has been around since um, February. I started in February 2017. Um, so, just over four years now. Um, before that, I was doing little sort of bits and pieces on other social media pages, and I was lucky enough to have a couple of pieces show up on uh, the Footy Show and Maddie John Show. So I was like, you know, maybe I have a bit of a knack for this. So I started my own page and just, you know, started outletting some of the things that were in my head. Like I'm a bit OCD, my, my head's a bit crazy. When I'm watching footy, I'm not really watching for you know, tackle counter, which side they're running. I'm more looking, you know, is that something that would be funny that would entertain someone? So I look at it a bit differently from, I suppose, everyone else. Um, but, yeah, so over a bit over four and a half years now. So going, going strong. And you sort of spoke about uh, being the content producer in the sort of now, but when you started up the roast, what were the goals? At the time, I, I, like, I'm just a fan of the game and, and what I'd seen around sort of the NBA and, and MMA to an extent was they were doing similar stuff to, to what I'm doing now. So I've taken inspiration from them. But I realised there was there was NRL meme pages and stuff like that, but it was more like, oh, you know, hey, Parramatta haven't won in, you know, how many times have you heard Parramatta hasn't won in since the, 1986? The low-hanging like, fruit sort of stuff, yeah. Basically, yeah. So, and look, I, I'm not past that. I, I do that occasionally. There, there is 100% a, of space for that. That's why it's it's funny in the right situation. But yes, there correct. It yeah. can be worn to death as well. Exactly, and and I think what I could bring was just a different voice to it and a different take on it. And I thought, you know, I can get a bit more creative and, and take what people maybe don't have those uh, skills, like they have those thoughts in their head of, oh, hey, this would be funny if you did this. Well, I actually have the skills to do that. And, and put it out there. So it was just, you know, getting a bit of a different voice and going, what's a different take on that same old, oh, here's a box of tissues because your team lost. You know, what's a, what else can I do to go, oh, hey, your team lost, but, you know, here's a funny side of it. So mm-hmm. and that's what I thought I could, I could bring. That's, that's what I suppose my goals were. Sorry to interrupt. But, you know, the goals were to, to sort of bring that bit more of a different voice than, than what I was seeing around. Definitely. So does it stun you to the extent to which it's been embraced? Absolutely, because, like, funnily enough, it is still just a side hustle. It's just a passion project for me. Um, I started mucking around with some editing software about, I'd say, 15 years ago and just making, you know, some dumb videos with my mates and funny videos and stuff like that. And it wasn't until um, my daughter my daughter was born in 2012 and I started taking it a little bit serious. I had some time off with her and, um, you know, I had a bit more time on my hands and, um, started taking a bit more seriously and doing it, but then I like I was I was married and had a child to support. So I, and being from a small country town, coming from um, not much, I couldn't just give up a career to chase a. Um, at that time, social media wasn't as big as beast as it is now, and didn't really have the the balls, I suppose, to to chase a social media dream when I had a family to support. So um, in 2019, I was I was made redundant in in my bank job, and I decided to take a bit of a leap and 
take this a bit more seriously. And it's it's become you know massive more than what I thought. And it's been I've been lucky enough to actually start a business from it and keep doing this as a as a form of entertainment for for the fans. That's absolutely awesome. You you love seeing those sort of success stories come out of a passion project. And um, that leads me to a a serious note about the work you do. Um, I think it's fair to say that the way your humour has resonated with the players has gone a long way towards connecting and bridging players with fans. What do you think about that connection, mate? Uh, I'm I'm guessing you guys have either played footy at some stage or been around a footy team or or a footy club. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just like all Aussies, we love taking the piss out of each other. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of banter. Yeah, banter and in... in, um, you know, in the sheds, that's, you know, a big part of, uh, of a footy club. Um, and, and social media can be so negative sometimes. It's hard to convey that message of, of trying to be humorous. But um, I think I, I've, I've done a good, decent enough job to try and bring both sides of the NRL, so between the fans and, and the players and, and that locker room piss-taking humour together. Um, in saying that, I've failed, you know, so many times. I've been called, you know, a coward, a, a see you next Tuesday and block <laughs> blocked by several players who have either taken the, the joke the wrong way. Or there, there's, or a, there's an MJ quote that is always, you know, on point there is that you miss every shot you don't take. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, you, so, you've got to be swinging. Yeah, that's right. And and the thing is, I, I come from a, um, it's a, I'm trying to have a laugh. That's always my intention is I'm trying to bring out the humour in it. If you get offended by it, I'll, I'll admit I'm sorry. And, you know, if they don't want it up, I've taken down posts and stuff like that. But, um, I, I think majority of the footy players, especially these young ones who are growing up in, or have grown up in the social media age, they have seen this and grown up with it. Some of those older players that are a bit like, nah, this isn't my cup of tea. And I'm yeah. like, okay, that's cool. So I'll just leave you alone. I just won't mention you in videos or posts or anything like that. I'm, I'm fine. So, you know, it is hit and miss sometimes, but majority of the time I, I think I, I get it. I get it right. Well, just, Tracking back to what we talked about at the start with the influencer side of things, um, this is where I see it as a positive because um, although she doesn't go to games, she goes. She does go to games with me, but my my uh, partner, she isn't really a huge NRL fan, and it's the same with many of her friends. But they all follow the NRL roast, and actually to the point where she'll send me um, screenshots or links to your latest posts with the, her, her little laughing emojis and what have you. Uh, are you aware of that reach that you've made into the non-footy fan or the fringe footy fan side of things? No, not really. Like um, it's not until like, I suppose you mentioned or someone mentions it to me because I get caught up in that footy bubble. I get caught up in, you know, what's this footy player doing this week and what's this team doing and who's, um, who are they talking about on NRL 360 or, you know, YKTR Sports like, or who's everyone talking about? So I get caught up in the footy bubble. Um, but I have, I have seen some non-footy, you know, athletes and, and fans engage in my posts. And, and like we talked about influencers, um, you know, they, they've engaged. So like, you know, um, Mikey Pembroke, he's a, he's a mask or just an example. He's a, he's from mass and he engages in a few of my posts and, and he's fine. He's a footy fan. But some of the other influences and stuff, they engage. I'm thinking, are they just doing it to try and increase their profile or whatever? But at the same time, it's still nice to hear that the page isn't just confined to footy fans. It it, it gets a bit more of a, a reach around um, other other areas of sport and life. 
Well, that, that's that's probably where I was seeing you as, as an influencer because of the fact that you're finding the appeal of... It's almost like... I won't say you're creating an NRL appeal, but I think you're finding the appeal in NRL that's there for people across different, um, I suppose, different groups, different um, demographics within, um, and, and maybe it is some of the younger ones that you said are more interested in social media. Uh, but I can tell you that when when I said uh, to, well, I'll call her Yoko here, the other half, <laughs> when I said to Yoko that, you, that I was going to have you as a, a guest on the uh, podcast, she was straight away messaging her friends just to let them know. And I and I can tell you that is not a regular behaviour for her when I mentioned And we've had we've had some pretty handy uh, guest stars on the podcast, but uh definitely the sort of uh reaction we got when we announced that you were going to go there uh was huge. Yeah, yeah. I, look I don't know, like I I'm, I'm a I consider myself a fairly humble guy. I don't, you know, uh sort of think you know i'm bigger than anyone or anything like that but you know to hear something like that i am very appreciative of it's, it's crazy to think that you know sometimes i sit back and i like followers are, are not a huge like everyone can uh you know work a way to get followers so a lot of people go oh you got so many followers you got so many followers it's like yeah but what, what content am i producing that's all i sort of care about is continuing that content creation so yep. um you know that's what a lot of people go, oh, you know, he's got so many followers and that's what makes him sort of popular or whatever. And I don't see it that way. I'm like, I hear it all the time and I, I cringe whenever I hear it, but it is right. I started this with no followers and I'd probably, you know, even if I only had, you know, thousand or so followers, I'd still keep doing it because that doesn't make who you are or what you're doing. I just had that love for it. And, and, and it's made me, you know, I, get to meet so many people, get to talk to you guys. Um, you know, I would might never have met you guys or talked to you guys if I hadn't started the page. So that, that you know, resonates I, deeply with us because the the journey that you go on when you're, you know, even just an amateur, you know, rugby league blogger or content creator, some of the stories and just connections that you make is fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, you know, um, you guys go to the, all the training sessions, you guys go to the after match functions. <clears throat> Pardon me. There's so much that you guys see that the average fan sitting at home doesn't see. All they see is what gets printed in on the Daily Telegraph, what they see on NRL 360, mm -hmm. you know, or what they see on social media. So if there's a voice here that's getting some of these stories out, like, um, you know, Dylan Brown's work within um, uh, it's a it's an ability uh, or what sorry what, what, what ability, ability. Yep. Um, yep. you know stuff like that that you know no one sees. You, you know you don't get that in. Um, every day on the on the Daily Telegraph or or whatever, and I'm not bagging them out. They have a a, a spot in in the sporting communities, and they'll they'll keep doing what they're doing. But that's where you know you guys see that sort of stuff, and you post that out. So if I have a bigger audience that I can get that out to, then I, I feel it's a bit of a responsibility for me to do that, and, and also helps you guys out, get your voice out there. You you are doing the hard work of you know finding these stories and things, and it's just me. Hey, I've got a big audience. I'm going to promote that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of my what I feel my role is now. Well, yeah. we've certainly been appreciative of the uh, uh, of you posting some of our stuff, our, our content out there. So, uh, thanks for that over the years. No worries. Sixties uh, mentioned the reaction that we got among our our friends and family when we announced that we're going to have you on the podcast this week. 
Um, and that led to one of our listeners sending in a cheeky little question uh, when he found out you're our guest. Uh, it's from one Mitch Clark from Currajong Heights. And he asks, what do you think of our at Eels TCT on Twitter and why is it so good? Well, thanks, uh, Mitch, for the question. Um, uh, is, is this someone that you know, or I have no idea who Mitch Clark is. <laughs> uh, you know, not definitely haven't got my um, think, my, my pinkies and fingers crossed. Definitely not. Okay, <laughs> no. Look, like I said before, the passion behind it. So some pages are out to either make a buck or think because they have X followers, there's something special. But you know, there's there's so many people out there that have been working hard for so long without recognition. Like you look at some of the podcasters, like you guys, and. Uh, full credit to the boys this mm-hmm. week in league, boom rookies. You know, they've, they've all been going at it for 10 years and really have that loyal following, but they've never got that sort of mainstream um, uh, thing over the line. You, you look at so many fan-run Twitter accounts that are huge within that community. There's Reddit, which has over 60,000 followers. Um, and I, I look at you guys, and you, you guys are a huge part of that, and I see you guys working so hard to to bring value to your fan base, to the Eels followers, and for me, for me, that's I, I respect that, and I think you know everyone needs to sort of respect the hard work that the fans put into the game. Well, mate, we've we've touched on it um, about the the humour side, and you do include the latest NRL news, and I think that's an important part of NRL roast. But it's fair to say that that humour is the big attraction. Uh, come on, were you the funny kid at school? Funnily enough, no, I wasn't. So I got um, I got moved around a fair bit when I was young. Like my, my parents divorced when I was fairly young, and mum moved, uh, got with a uh, a minor, so he moved around with um, the mines and things like that. So you know, I was in I think four different uh, primary schools growing up, and finally settled in in when I started playing footy here in in my hometown of Parks when I was, when I was twelve, and so I sort of had to you know work extra to try and fit in. Um, so I had to sort of, you know, make that extra effort. And, and humour was just that tool that that I that I had and I used to sort of get by. So, um, yeah, it was, again, yeah, not not the funny, not overly funny. I wasn't cracking jokes all the time, but, you know, I needed when I needed to use it, I, I, I found it a good tool to use. And your, your sense of humour in the present day resonates with so many people, which is why you're so successful and so popular. Uh, what makes you laugh personally, though, mate? Uh, I've got two young girls. Um, it's a bit cliche, but like they do make me laugh every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll they'll do something funny, and i you know you either see yourself in it or you <laughs> you see um, you know the, the wife or or whatever in what they're doing, and you go that was me doing it as a kid or or whatever. And I just I'm a very sort of sarcastic. Um, sort of guy and that when when kids do it it's it's very funny so they do but look growing up i was a huge fan of aussie comedy uh full frontal fast forward um some of those sort of shows some George of the classics Carlin. there yep. yeah yeah some of the classics um i remember staying up late watching um the melbourne comedy festival late at the night because my mum wouldn't let me watch it so i had to <laughs> you know switch on the old tv in the in the, in the uh, spare room and sneak away and watch that but um george carlin comedy a comedian from um Back in the in the seventies and eighties, um, I'm not not that old, uh, but um, you know, my dad used to listen to him, so you know, I, I listened to it, and, and that sort of influenced not just the way I, I see things or whatever, but um, in in comedy, but the way I sort of see life. He had a very different way of looking from everyone else, but 
uh, slapstick comedies and stuff like that as well, like the Naked Gun series, Comedy Central Roast, which is are you where, are you me? You've got, a, you've got an impeccable sense of our comedic taste. I I do appreciate that. There's a lot of classics in there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Mel Brooks. Um, he had sort of Blazing Saddles, yeah. uh, Robin Hood, Men of Thieves. Um, sorry, um, Men in Tights. Men in Tights. Yeah, classic. yeah, and um, Spaceballs and stuff like that. So loved loved him. Uh, pretty much anything he was in, and um, yes, and sort of some of that stuff still holds up today, and, which a lot um, of comedies comedies in the last sort of 20, 30 years don't. In, like, in a way, know, there's the odd one. A lot of those are sort of like the Hollywood precursors to internet memeing, which is now absolutely you know, now the dominant form of humor, and for good reason. Correct. It, it's hilarious. So I, it definitely make, helps me understand how you're able to transfer that appreciation into such a, a great understanding of now modern. Uh, humor so yeah that makes a lot of sense that, that is spot on like there's so much Mate. stuff from that from those eras that have never seen them like have, are, are becoming memes now but have never had that meme treatment like you you see now like a movie trailer comes out there's a meme from it you know before the movie's even exactly. released there's someone's yeah. made a meme from it where there's so many comedies and so many movies from Back in the day, that if you go and rewatch it, which I do now, I go and rewatch something, and I go, I could use that as a meme. I can use that as, you know, put a player's head on that and make that funny. And you know, that's sort of what I do now is I watch a movie and I'm always thinking, what can I make out of it? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's always good. Yeah, that that sort of stuff back in the day, like I said, still holds up today. Well, look, I'm I'm someone that identifies with the the humour in kids having worked as a teacher in in primary schools for nearly 25 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> like one of the things that because uh, I, I did I did other work for about 10 11 years before I started working as a teacher and um, I think it sort of helped me to come in to the classroom and if a kid did something funny even if it was a bit on the wrong side I wouldn't hold myself back from laughing you know like <laughs> I, 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 I might let the laugh out and then correct them but you know if something's funny it's funny and um I I do have a funny story that I have to share, and maybe it's not so much funny as maybe it's a little. There's a little bit of evil in the kid, but this is a trick that a kid played in the playground. He got some kids to pretend to be taking him on, giving him a hard time, and laid down on the ground, and then timed how long it took for the first teacher to come running over. <laughs> He's got to figure it out, <laughs> and. And like all the other kids were in on it, but yeah, yeah his his intent was to, to put the stopwatch on how quick it took for the teacher to come over and check out that he was okay. Now I'd like it, it was a fairly quick response from the teachers, I will say, but yeah, that was his intent. Now I look at that and I go, man, there's a brain at work in there. Like it's it's um, it's it's almost like a. Um, uh, you know, if only he would use his 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 intelligence for good instead of evil. But, um, that, that's that's going to be written on his report card in year, year twelve. You know, you know, could have used his brain a lot better than what he did. But, but hey, he's a, he's a guy. That, he's a guy that I'll be probably reaching out to in a few years to say, "Can you come and help me with the page?" <laughs> well, I remember. I remember one of my earlier uh, corrections of him was. Uh, I was using the, the tactic of um, letting him know how intelligent that I believe he was. And it was just a conversation about that. And, uh, you know, I just went over and just a bit of one-on-one -on -one chat. And I said, geez, mate, you, you would have to be one of the smartest kids 
that I've had the privilege of teaching. And he looked at me and goes, you're just telling me that to get on my good side. <laughs> kids these days, eh? Yeah. Oh, mate, it was a classic. It was a classic. So, like I said, yeah, with my kids, that's that's the thing. You know, they'll, they'll do something that'll make me laugh every single day. And it's I don't know whether it's the, the kid in me that I never want to see die out or, you know, whether they are just overly funny. I'm not sure what it is, but either way, I sort of, you know, look to them and see, you know, almost get inspiration from them as well. So just bringing it back to NRL Rose specifically, is there any photo that you can pinpoint, any any? even the, the line that you're able to put with it, that you reckon's been the funniest that you've ever had on NRL Roast? There was one, and, and it was in our early early days, so probably one I've learned from to probably not touch on again, but it was it revolved <laughs> around, um, uh, look, you know, Mitchell Pearce and the, and the dog um, – <laughs> It's, it's dead now. Yeah. Like, you know, look, he, he paid the price. He, he did something stupid. It was it was funny at the time, but yeah. it's been a fair few years now. But back when it when it happened, I, um, Nathan Peets, I, I think, had made his debut in, for um, Origin in 2017, I think. Um, or maybe it was 2016. I'm not, I'm not sure. But um, the Roosters had, had beaten the Dogs, and it was like, I don't know. Well, the, the Dogs had just lost by 60 points or 50 points or something. And um, I did it when Nathan Peets was huge on Twitter and we just did up a, a fake tweet. Like, he, he would post our things and everyone would jump on. He was like... Um, he loved, he loved and, the banter on Twitter, I know, yeah. He loved the banter. He really, yeah. really good on banter. And when he throws something out, it sort of take off no matter sort of what it was. And um, he, he was sort of... You look at Cheese and Munster now on Instagram, he, he's that on... He was that on Twitter. Like, he was that involved in, in uh, banter. But... What I did up was a fake tweet, which was um, I haven't seen the dogs beaten that that bad since I, I bunked in with uh, Mitchell Pearce in Origin. And um, look, looking back on it, you know, it's one of those things we spoke about earlier, low hanging fruit. Yeah. Um, but it was just like, you know, oh, did, you know, it got people thinking, did Nathan Pearce really tweet that? Like, you know, it was sort of on the edge of him. Oh, yeah, that's something he would say. So, you know, it took it seriously and it. Um, it got on Fox Sports and things. They wrote stories about it. So I was like, oh, shit, you know, that, and it sort of helped sort of boost the page as well and things. But looking back on it, it's, at the time, I thought it was the funniest thing I'd, I'd ever done. But looking back on it, it, it's not great, but it was still, still fairly funny. <laughs> and that almost leads me perfectly into a couple of questions I was going to ask you about that sort of content and that sort of line. Um, how many times have you created media or memes and looked at it and then decided that you couldn't post it? At least once a week. There's, um, I understand that my humour doesn't resonate with with everyone, um, so I need to take a, you know, time looking over it and, and a bit before I before I post it. I try and look at it from, a the person I'm talking about or the team involved and and how they would view it. Um, I realise like you know, when I first started out, I probably didn't do this as much because I'm just I thought you know I'm just a small page, it's nothing big, but. You know, the, the page does have a fair reach now and it does, you know, it's quick. You know, you throw something out there, it's out there sort of forever. So I have to be careful about what I create and stuff. And I, I'm not here to piss anyone off. I'm here to have some fun and, and like I said, take the piss out of each other. You yeah. know, if someone wants to come at me, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to. So, yeah, at least once a week I'll probably, um, you know, especially if there's something in game or, or, or something's just happened, you're like, okay, you've got to think about this 
another one one for example is um, with the news and stuff, not just humour, but um, player was off injured uh, for Newcastle Knights, and he was in the um, he was in the tunnel and about to head into an ambulance. And I, I took the screening of it and posted it up, and just said he's he's um, looks like he's off to hospital. Like that's what they were talking about that he was off to hospital for scans. And someone in the comments said, you know, has anyone thought about if he doesn't want these photos printed? And it made me think like. You know, even though the camera's there and the camera's capturing it as part of um, Fox Sports, you know, do I need to post it up and put it out there? So made me sort of think I could have just posted a normal photo of him on the field or, you know, elsewhere. I didn't need to take a photo of him in the tunnels for that. So, um, you know, yeah, at least once a week I'm sort of thinking that now and, and going, okay, have a think about the other person that's involved. And and I have been for a while. I'm not saying I'm just yeah, doing yeah, now. Yeah. But, yeah, um, making sure that, like I said, I don't want to peeve anyone off, and and um, the humorous posts are there for a laugh, not to be taken too seriously. And the serious posts are, are normally, you know, it's news related. It's not, you know, I'm sure you've heard about um, a player in the media at the moment in relation to a, a video going around. I'm not going to worry about posting that because hey, it's not going to, you know, not going to help me. It's, I'm not going to help that person either. That's you know something private or that's gotten out, I'm sure if it's illegal, the police will deal with it or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't need to go and post about it. Um, but there are some news stories that you do need to, like, you know, a player signing somewhere, a player being released, a player getting sacked, whatever. Um, I feel like the audience, you know, that, that sort of stuff that they need to know. And so it seems like your, I'll call it moral scope for the football, is uh, very much in alignment with ours, just, you know, by, by pure coincidence. But uh, is there a line that you personally adhere to and ones that you won't cross when it comes to content creation. And you sort of you alluded to some of that just then, but uh, is there anything else that you don't like to touch or, or will not touch? In regards to, like, humour-wise, yeah. Um, yeah, I think injuries. You, you don't take the piss out of anyone with an injury or, like, has, has suffered an injury on the field or anything like that. Like, you see so many comments of, of people when uh, someone gets injured or, you know, um, it, low-hanging fruit of, you know, if Adam Reynolds has hurt his knee and he's on the ground line or Josh Dugan, he's lying there and, you know, he's been injured for a fair fair amount of time in his career and someone will, you know, get in there and say, oh, it's, you know, normal for him or, or whatever. You just – you don't know what that injury is. You don't you don't know how serious it is. It could be career-ending. It could mm-hmm. be um, – it could be something minor. But either way, you just don't take that risk of, um, A, punching someone when they're down. Yeah, and I suppose too that they the last thing they want is an injury right now. Oh, absolutely! Like you, you, the players, they're not going out there to play for an injury. They're they're out there to try and, um, you know, a couple of years they might be up for another contract or something, and they want to you know create their impression and go out and try and win a football game at the same time. So, um, you know, we we know that, and we just don't want to like I said punch someone when they're down with injuries. But that's that's probably the main one the line you don't cross, but. Um, other than that, there's, you know, your normal standard ones, but um, yeah, that's probably the, the big one, which I see a lot of people, a lot of fans online um, bagging people when they have an injury, and it's just I just don't see the uh, the benefit of it. No, I absolutely respect that sort of stance, mate. Now, the um, I'm going to reference uh, Yoko here again, the other half, because there's probably the better, best chance of her listening to this podcast than she ever has, than there's ever been with 
any other podcasts that we put out there. I was going to say, um, you're calling it calling Yoko is probably not the best, best thing to do either, though, is it? No, no, that's, that's she's actually uh, named herself Yoko. Because oh, okay. she, she seems well, I hope, hope you guys don't split up in a couple of years, but um, yeah. No, she sees herself on the fringe of the Fab Four of TCT, you see. So <laughs> she's, she's always uh, positioned herself where she says she's the greatest threat of breaking up the, the group. So. <laughs> she, she does uh, have a, a great sense of humour. I'll I'll give her a shout out there. She has a, a terrific sense of humour. So she is more than happy to have a bit of banter and, and self-deprecation as well. I can't wait for your, your, um, so, uh, your, your, your next I'm, podcast I'm, to come out with her. Look, <laughs> <laughs> um, she... The reason I'm mentioning her here is that um, she's always very good at keeping me in check. And um, she, and I'm not just talking about like with the stuff around the website, but just with different perspectives I might have on a few things or opinions I might be about to express to people. Um, does your partner ever get involved in your content creation, mate? No, look, I don't even think she knows the pages exist, to be honest. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, she she does like, um, but she doesn't really uh, care for. She's not a she's not a footy woman. Um, she likes going to the occasional game, but she won't sit there and watch every minute like like I do. But she um, she doesn't really care for social media that much. Cons- funny considering her husband uh, works in social media, but um, she doesn't you know, involve herself in the the day to day um workings of it she doesn't care about the posting of it or anything like that um she's happy that you know i've started the business around it so um she's happy that i'll bring in some income from it so instead of me just sitting here wasting my time like i did in um, the early days but um yeah no she she just stays out of it she's she's sort of happy with with what i'm doing and and doesn't really care for that memey sort of social media stuff so she's uh she's out of it as much as possible now I was I was going to ask you about the biggest response you've ever had to a post, but I, it occurred to me that at no point have have we thought about asking you uh, which team is your team. So are you prepared to divulge that? Yeah, no, I am. I, it's it's funny that so many people ask like, well, "Who do you support? Who do you support?" I'm like, I always kept it I kept it quiet because I was like, I didn't want to show bias. But then yeah. I was like, I've taken the piss out of my team that much that um, I, I, I'm happy to put it out there. So uh, I'm a Dragons fan. Um, my my old, old man was a was a Dragons fan. One of the very first games I ever watched was was a Dragons game, and um, and so yeah, I've I've sort of grown up on on the Dragons. And even uh, you know, I was uh, oh god, how old was I? You know, teenager when sort of the super, or not the early early years of a, um, I think it's like twelve or something when the Super League happened. So, you know, that didn't really affect me too much. The merger didn't really affect me too much. It was still, you know, the Dragons. Um, so I still, you know, I wasn't that involved in a team. Um, sorry, involved in in the work in workings of a team. So, you know, I, I I stuck with them and and yeah, I've been a Dragons fan. So, like I said, I'm happy to put it out there. It's it's funny when people. People do arcs, and I've I've put it out there before, but I always sort of kept it quiet because I was like I didn't want to be biased. But yeah, like I said, I take the piss out of them that much anyway. So, oh mate, I tell you what, they're a colourful team to go and visit over at Cogra with old Skull um, when he was in his heyday down there. Yeah, look, we've had some had some um, some great people over the years and some characters and stuff. So, 
um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll stick by them. We 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 we've, you know not not as tough as some other teams. Like you know, we we won a comp not not too long ago, but you know I love the uh, the comments and the fan engagement between the Sharkies and the and the Dragons <laughs> over the years. That's always been good, and um, you know I've been to lucky enough to be in, you know I am from the bush. I don't get to games that often, but. Uh, I've been to a few, you know, sharks and dragons um, games, and it's always a always a classic. Always good to hear the the fans going off, and that's what I really enjoy the entertainment sort of factor into it. So, yeah. Well, a serious question for you, just on your on your team, has uh, has the team surprised you? Has Hook surprised you with what he's been able to do this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like I'm I'm a very honest person. I don't, you know, I'm not biased. I don't. You know, sit there and go. My team's going to win the comp every year, or um, you know, bag them out. I just look at it honestly. And and I thought at the start of the year, even before the charity shield, I was like, you know, it's going to take a while for him to to really put his mark on the team. Then they came out, and so I wasn't really you know expecting too much this year. Then they came out in the charity shield, and I was like, you know, this is going to be a long season. Um, the first game again against the Sharkies, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not really looking forward to many games. Then we got on that bit of a roll and, and we sort of started like really changing um, our look about the team. Our defence has been incredible. Um, and, you know, just the, the boys really look like they're, they're putting in a lot more. Um, and, yeah, you know, like I, I was genuinely, like when I was watching the game on against the Warriors on the weekend um, and I can't, I can't even think who scored the last try to put us in front, Dufty, I think. And uh, it was one of the first times in a while I'd, I'd got out of my seat to cheer, like, and really get engaged with it because it, it has been, a you know, a rough couple of years for us, not compared to other teams. There's been a lot of other teams rougher, but as a Dragons fan, it has been a little bit rough. And um, watching watching that just got me out of my seat, got me entertained, and I was like, I haven't felt this for a while. So, yeah, I am, I am liking the direction. I, I admitted I was wrong uh, a couple of weeks ago about the team. Um in the preseason, that's, but, an, that's uh, an important point. Is that it is fine to be wrong as a fan. It's fine oh, to, to to admit that you were wrong in your expectations. And I think a lot of people get caught up in that, and they they almost you know will fight to the death to hold a stance that they know has changed. So yeah, yeah. it's it's always good to you know just say yeah I got it wrong. It's fine. Move on. And so, you know, so many fans on social media are you know their team loses. It's easy to bag the ref. I think that's just a lot of go to go to excuses. Like yeah, no, this penalty, rah rah rah. I don't think I've ever blamed a ref in my life because I just don't see the value in it. You know, your team lost because your team wasn't good enough on the day, um, majority of the time. So um, yeah, I, I uh, I'm happy to admit that you know I was look. It's still a long season to go. We're only six rounds in. We're not going to be world beaters, but I, I, I sort of said I didn't think Cook was the right guy um, at the start of the year. And after six rounds, um, you know, I think, you know, he's doing a decent job. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I was wrong in that assessment that um, I think, you know, give him a bit more time and, and we'll see how we go. Exactly. Well, you, you know, you know what I'm prepared to do and Forty's going to realise the significance of this statement. Oh, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm prepared I'm prepared to put some money on the dragons making the finals. No, don't don't let him don't let him do that. Do not let him do that. <laughs> yeah, ooh, um, I haven't even I haven't even looked at the like I I don't mind a flutter, but I haven't even looked at that. His heart's have... his heart's in the right place, but it will end up in disaster for the dragons. Do not let him do yeah. that. I, I won't let him do that for you. Mate. Oh, you're a bit of a you're, you're a mocker, yeah. He, like, he you, is the you, biggest you, mocker you I have ever seen. You put money on him tomorrow, and then we'll end up with a spoon. Yeah. So, 
I, I'm not um, kidding. No, mate, just keep keep your powder dry. Keep it in your pocket. No, I'll, 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 I have ended seasons, destroyed careers. He is, he is <laughs> stopped like almost sure thing Dally M's from happening. So do not, do not let him put money on the dragons. I will not let you're him like, for you, mate. You're like Dennis with the, um, with the gauntlet clicking his, you know, clicking his fingers. You know, yeah, it's, it's, fingers, it's not, it's not far off from that, mate. It is not yeah, far you off. Season it over. Gets his infinity gauntlet out the TAB and just ends <laughs> the season. Yeah. It, in fact, the, the local TAB. It looks at me because there's Parramatta supporters. If I dare to put money on Parramatta, then uh, they've almost got a block on on uh, that wager. But um, yeah, the, um, the I, I do the tip, the the footy tipping, the punting tip on our preview. But the proviso is I don't put money on. Yeah, he's got a hot streak going with that. But if he ever backs something actual like himself, you know, it's a it's a dead in the water. Back the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Get the first thing you can do is back the opposite thing from to happen. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other things was too, like, and I think I should mention it on being this is an Eels podcast is our big win. Um, the Dragons at yeah, Bank you West came against back the West and punched us in the face, mate. I'm not happy about yeah. that one. That was uh, like I should say, you know, uh, I did cheer that game, so I was saying <laughs> the only cheer cheered for the Warriors game was a bit bit off, but that was a real game that we sort of. Um, you know, you guys, that's a bit of a, like, you know, you have lost there, but it's still like your fortress. It's like you don't want to play the Eels at Bank West. Is, is, no, and, only and been your boys have done, done well there. Their, their last two hits there, they've actually knocked us over twice. Yeah, and we were probably like, lucky the first time playing the Dragons there too. I think it was like 18-0 at half time. It was just, you know, I was like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> And I even said to myself, one of my mates texted me and, he, and I said, look, the Eels are paying four fifty. I said back him because we're the type of team to bottle this. And then, you know, watching, I was just like surprised. You know, I was like, wow, this is totally different side. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but back on them, I'm, I'm excited for the year. I don't think we play you guys again, do we? I think it's one and done this year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's in the finals, eh? Yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll talk it. again that's then. <laughs> now, I want to talk about a couple of the big characters in the game, and it's a bit of a multi-part question, so bear with me. But uh, Hectic Cheese, Hectic Cheese, sorry, aka Brandon Smith and uh, Cameron Munster are undoubtedly uh, two of the huge go-to players for content. Is there anyone else for you that regularly provides great material? And to follow that up, uh, what about the funniest footy identity that you've actually met in general? Uh, the, the funniest one I've ever met was uh, I met Alfie Langer once. Um, funnily enough, at the Caxton Hotel, which I've, I think he goes, <laughs> he goes there like once every six months. I've been told. Um, but yeah, no, he, he just seems like that knockabout bloke. I'm um, sorry, knockabout bloke that um, you know you just you, you'd love to go on an end of season trip with. And you think you, you look at people, you know, uh, footy players and stuff. When you first meet them, it's like, well, a you like to have a beer with them, and could I spend like a few days at the end of the season trip with him. And that's what I sort of <laughs> look at. And I think, you know, he's both, you know, we, we sat there. He was wanted to talk to us straight away and and, and have a couple of beers and, and appreciate that. And I just think, yeah, he'd be one of the guys that I'd, uh, from the old days that you'd love to, to go on an end of season trip. Um, but these days it's, you know, I, you, you've sort of picked them out. Like any of those Storm boys are really active on social media. So they sort of, they sort of get it with social media you know let's let's be you know ourselves because that's you know there's no people say they're characters but then they're not actually characters they're just themselves so yeah they're not you know, playing up a role they're just them no, as they are no. 
hectic cheese is 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 that it's it's the cheese it's um you know brendan smith he, he talks like you watch him i don't know if you guys saw him on the maddie john show on sunday mm. night it's actually yep. like a watered down version of him he knew <laughs> that oh, i'm on national tv i can't really be just really you know, real yeah and um but if you get him on social media like i've i've been lucky enough to to interview him on on instagram and and just you know he was f's and c's throwing him around like left right and center he was telling you know um Craig Bellamy can go F himself and you know, it's just there's no holding him. And like when you think about like, you know, Craig Bellamy who's had this, you know, aura of um, you know, shut up and listen when he's sort of speaking to hear him do that, you go, holy shit, like it's and it's not him playing up a character because you ask anyone around that storm team, that that's him, that's the way he acts and that's the way he talks. And um, same with Ken Munster, like you you can't really get two bigger guys in, in the game at the moment than them. Um, but some of these younger guys coming through, like um, yeah, I won't even put any names, but there's just a lot of a lot of young guys coming through that are really active on social media and just doing great things on and off the field that um, gets a, gets a community around them. So um, yeah, look, I can't go past the two guys that you mentioned. So I'll stick with them. No good answer. And, and wouldn't it be fair to say as well that I guess the the important people at their club at the Storm realize that there's it's important for them to be themselves yeah absolutely um the i, I reached out to their, their media guy and when i wanted to interview um friends like i wanted to interview someone from the storm and it, it was around the um grand final week and i was like i know they're busy i know they've got a lot on but i'm going to try my hand at it and like i couldn't get anyone from the from the panthers they they sort of shut it down um but i just i thought i'm going to go to the media manager at um at the storm and just just ask and he just got back to me and said yeah just ask anyone tell them i said it's fine just make sure they tone down on the language which, <laughs> which um brandon smith didn't but um <laughs> but it's just Sorry. nice to know that they do get that they get it that you know the more um value these guys provide um off the field in their own lives is going to help is going to benefit the club they're going to create character or they're going to create um, identity. That is something that I staunchly agree with as well, mate. Yeah, yep. Yeah. They're going to create an identity that everyone wants to get around. Like, you know, even non-Mel... Like, Melbourne had this um, thing of... Everyone hated Melbourne, almost to the point where... I know you guys are para fans that absolutely despise Manly, I'm guessing. You know, the average NRL fan hated Melbourne that way because of, you know, the stuff in the, in the 2000s, salary cap, all that sort of stuff, wrestling, whatever. Um, but the way they're going about it now, it's, it's almost res- like they're respected. Um, they have this, uh, you know, thing where they've, you know, won so many premierships, they've been so successful. Um, and now they've got these guys that everyone loves, regardless of whether you're a, a Melbourne fan. If you go back, you know, seven, eight years ago, um, you know, had some of the biggest names, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, Cameron Smith but you really couldn't get a hold of them. You couldn't reach out to them in social media and talk to them. It was only what you saw on TV. And even that seemed a bit fake. So people could get an opinion of them um, just by looking at them on TV, not by hearing them in their own own words. So I think that's why um, Munster and, and, and the cheese and Pappenhausen and um, even Christian Welch down at uh, Melbourne. I feel like I'm a Melbourne fan now you know, <laughs> saying all these guys, which I'm not, but um they, they just get it. They know that, you know, creating these are people that are themselves and utilising them through their own social channels. You look at um, the Storm social media. 
Uh, it's full of them just being themselves in the, in training sessions, off the field or whatever. That helps them to get um, more sponsorship, more dollars, more um, influence on around the around the game. Um, they, they just know how to do it. So, and I and I think it does bring in again those fringe supporters because um, again I'll say with uh, relation to Yoko, she'll sit there and laugh the antics of Munster and Smith. And, um, you know, those images of him cradling the trophy after the grand final with those goggles on and pushing others away that are coming to get it off him. It's, um, yeah, like that, that's the sort of stuff that resonates with people. That should be, that should be put on a trophy itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There should, there should be, Oh, now, this is maybe something for you because you've been involved with the, the hottest 100 players, that sort of thing. Maybe you can start up a... Um, the end of, a, end of your award. Final, the grand final bender trophy where the, <laughs> the trophy itself is Brandon Smith cradling the prize. Yeah, that's good. Statue. Wait, I, I reckon, spot- you know, like that image of him in the goggles... He's cradling it, you know. He's he's sweet. He's singing "Country Road" or something like that. Yeah, um, yep. And and, there, and then your yearly award for the best grand final bender. <laughs> I like that. Well, um, oh, yeah, I'll have to, I've been speaking to um, the guys over at SEN, like uh, Joel and Joel and Fletch, and we did a yeah. um, a bender draft, and it was all these all these blokes in a in a draft and. And pick out who you want to go on a bender with. So it could be uh, could be a bender ratings, like power rankings. Um, <laughs> and and after a after a certain period of time, it's like okay, who's on top? They get the award. So I like that. We can do yeah, it together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Now we're just actually splicing this in after we finished our chat with Dean, because we were talking off air about the biggest reaction he's ever had to a post. So Dean, can you run us through? Uh, what we were just chatting about. Yeah, it was um, a contributor to the page uh, a few years ago. Um, Tariq Sims on an off-season, off-season trip uh, went overseas and he took a photo of himself uh, nude with, with just a hat covering his uh, meat and potatoes. And um, what, it, what we actually did was he had his shadow there and we uh, photoshopped the shadow to make it look like the hat wasn't quite covering up um, all that much. It sort of... His, uh, his meat and potatoes was more like a, a little chipolata sausage. So um, the caption we put on it was, uh, when, you, when your shadow betrays you. Um, and every six months or so, it gets reshared on a meme page somewhere. Um, you know, it goes around some of the, the big traps and gets some great coverage and, and sort of look back and go, that was, you know, started from the page. And, and then uh, if, if Tariq actually gets a hold of it, he'll... Uh, You'll send it to us and go, you pricks. So uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one to. Uh, it's prob- probably probably one of the most memorable ones from the page um, in regards to the, the biggest response we've had. Nah, it's quality. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks for sharing. So, mate, look, we could probably be doing this for hours on end, having a chat to you about uh, footy and the funny takes and what what it's meant for you as well but we do have to wrap it up and so i'm going to wrap it up with this what lies in the future for the nrl roast well i'm, I'm going to uh i'm going to steal a uh, cliche footy footy quote here and just say uh, i'm just going to take it one week at a time yeah, i like it i like <laughs> it yes a little golf oh, club oh, there what a 
Yeah. <laughs> that is beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> and uh, Those, like honestly, like I don't, I don't sort of even think what you know. What am I going to do in six months' time? And like I say, it is a cliche, but it is partially true. Like I just sort of wake up and just keep you know. Uh, if something's happening, I don't really have a plan for it. If something eventuates out of it, you know, I'm sort of content the way I'm going at the moment, and um, you know, hopefully bigger and better things, and and get involved with more guys like you, and. And, and just keep going, just have fun. No, you love to hear that, mate. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Um, it's at this point, then, that we usually give a plug to whoever's on the pod, on the pod, and um, you know, give them a chance to get some love from our followers on social media. But if you know, like I said, I'm being honest. If you're listening to our podcast and you're on social media, there is no way that you don't know about the NRL roast, and you're not following at the NRL roast on all socials. So. Uh, by by some crazy chance, if you are here and you don't follow Dean on the roast, uh, get on it, get on it for, um, straight away. I appreciate the love, guys. Really do. Thanks a lot, mate. Um, you, you gave us a lot of your time today, and it was a, a very very good chat. And I'd like to say, not just a fun chat. There was a, a, some poignant moments in there about content creation and and what goes into the process to be one of the, you know the biggest pages in the NRL. So, like I said, thanks for giving us your time, mate. No, no worries at all. Um, and before I go, like, it's funny, so many people ask, or not so many, like, I'm not, you know, inundated with offers, but when someone asks me to go on to a podcast or something, it's mostly to talk footy. And to be honest, I, I don't like talking footy much. So I, I really love talking about social media and, and what's around it. And so this has been probably one of the best chats I've ever had. And I'm not tooting your, tooting your horn for the sake of it because I'm on here. Uh, I really mean that because it's, it's given me a chance to sort of open up about yourself and the page and and what what goes on behind so appreciate it very much well you're the damn best at what you do mate and we appreciate it because the roast is an incredible follow you keep doing you mate and we'll uh, we'll touch base down the line yeah definitely we'll definitely want to catch up again down the down the track mate it's um yeah really enjoyed the chat today no absolutely reach out again and i'm happy to, happy to come on anytime thanks very much guys thanks dean we'll catch you later thanks. mate all righty then, let's move on to the news segment of this week's podcast, and there's some good and bad now for Parramatta. Uh, we'll start with the club statement that was issued today on Wednesday the 21st. Um, the club has issued a brief statement in regards to this. Uh, the club has become aware of a video involving one of its players. We understand that those on the video have been illegally filmed by another person without consent, and that an attempt has been made to distribute said media uh, to outlets on social media platforms. The club has informed the NRL Integrity Unit and has taken this matter very seriously particularly given the potential invasion of privacy of those involved. The club will not be making any further comment. And that probably uh, sort of uh, ties that matter up pretty nicely for us. Um, we were not going to be rumour-mongering. Uh, the club is obviously involved in the investigation, the integrity units involved, and they're the only relevant parties that need to be uh, making any sort of statements on the matter. Uh, 60s, you reckon that's fair? Mate, look, I think it's fair. I know that fans like to be able to go on to social media sites and talk about this sort of thing, but... As far as we're concerned, um, we've always said that when it comes to things like injuries or official statements about injuries or or time uh, out of the game for different players, that we leave it to the club. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that again here. And naturally, when more details come to light for this sort of matter, we will touch on them. But for now, the, the matter is in the hands of the NRL and the Eels, and they'll do the right thing by all parties involved. Uh, in some good news now, uh, there's a bit of a uh, talk going around the traps that the Eels are going to make another mid-season acquisition uh, following the uh, recruitment a couple of weeks ago of uh, now NRL debutant uh, Big uh, Wiramu Greg. Uh, there's expectation that the Eels will be adding Hayes Perham uh, to their top 30 in the coming days. 
Um, this started as chatter on social media and the New Zealand Warriors forums and has uh, grown into some of the uh, NRL rumour accounts now running with it. So Hayes uh, actually joined the Eels for a week uh, back when we took on the Western Suburbs Magpies in the New South Wales Cup as part of a, an initiative to keep the extended roster of the New Zealand Warriors fit. Uh, it was Hayes and uh, Tom Arley, I believe, that joined us for that game. And uh, he was uh, pretty handy at fullback for us in that game. So uh, very cool and uh, good to see the club making moves, if that's the case, mate. Well, look, I'll say that that is the case and that he's a good acquisition for the club. Isn't there an, an interesting little uh, group of uh, Kiwis yeah. that are involved with the Eels now and uh, finding a finding a, a home away from home almost for for a group of them? And um, I have to say that um, they've they've added some uh, some quality, some talent, and a point of difference to the club. And Hayes uh, is uh, the sort of back that BA loves can play across multiple positions in the back line, I think from 5'8 out pretty much. So he'll be playing, you know, 5'8 centres, wing and even fullback. So it gives us a lot of depth, especially at that centre position too, uh, where we are a little bit thin at the moment with the Wonga Blake calf injury. Uh, speaking of Wonga, we finally got clarity on his injury. Uh, the club has given him a, a scheduled return of rounds 9 to 10. So uh, that's been indefinite up until this week. So nice to have clarity on that. And it gives us an idea of when, knock on wood... I don't know if you can catch that, but bang on the old desk uh, when the eel should be fully fit as it stands. Yeah, yeah. Good luck to him to 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 get there because um, you know, no, as we spoke about before, no no player wants any any sort of injury, and it's the rehab process is is a long process. It's sometimes a lonely process because yeah. they're not doing the any of the work with other players around them. So, um, or very little of the work with players around them. So, they almost—I imagine—they almost feel like they're a bit distanced from the from the uh, rest of the group at at, at certain times. But uh, anyway, good luck to him, and uh, hopefully, we see him on the field again soon. And as far as I can tell, that's most of the uh, relevant news for the Eels this week. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of bad, a little bit of good, uh, and you know, keeping us on track as we look to shore up our spot uh, inside the top four moving forwards. Yeah, and. Well, they've just landed up in Darwin. The um, the Eels uh, media sites put up photos of uh, of their arrival. So um, uh, two days to um, acclimatise up there and get involved with uh, any anything they might be doing up there in the the next couple and, of days. And um, yeah, a, a rare Friday night football appearance. Yeah, six six games Saturday night in the prime time slot up against, uh, I believe it's the Cowboys, Panthers, Titans, and Raiders. And now, seventh time around, we get the uh, Friday Night Broncos. So it makes sense, I suppose, that we take them on Friday night. And um, I suppose the last piece of news I should be is um, uh, do a little bit of a hustle for the club. Uh, it is Anzac round with Anzac Day falling on Monday this year, and the club does have an Anzac jersey. Uh, and they've just, uh, I think they've done the pre-launch or pre-sale up on the website now. Um, they're celebrating the Royal Australian Air Force or the RAAF 100th anniversary. Um, and that's what our uh, alternate jersey this week features. It's a silhouette of the uh, some of the flying craft across the years, I think, for the Eels. Yeah, I was just having a look at it. I think it's a cracker of the jersey. Well, I think it's a throwback to our original Anzac jersey, which I think is the best by far, which had the uh, silhouette of the soldiers. Uh, I think it might have been the Gallipoli Landing, but uh, that, that was a great uh, themed jersey, and they've sort of uh, taken the spirit of that jersey for this one. Yeah, yeah. So... Um uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be people who are going to uh, get online and order their jersey. 
Yes, sir. And now we move on to the previews. There's uh, less action than usual this week because uh, two of the junior reps have wrapped up, as we touched on in a previous episode of the tip sheet. But the Harold Matthews are still alive, and they've actually earned a play into the grand final by virtual finishing second in the regular season. And they'll be hosting the Penrith Panthers out at H.E. Laybutt Field, Blacktown, kickoff at 11 o'clock a.m. on Saturday. Uh, myself and Sixties will be out there giving coverage to this game so you can catch the updates on the Cumberland throw. Um, but yeah, the Eels hosting the Panthers. I think the Panthers finished fourth. Um, but regardless of that, this is going to be a tough game. We know the Penrith Panthers are always up for a big uh, battle in the juniors. And the rivalry between the Eels definitely trickles down to this grade. Um, for the Eels, though, they look like this with Patrick Spence at fullback, Siliasi Aho and Josh Lialaloto on the wing. Charlie Geimer and Declan Murray are in the centres. Blaze Talungi earns the starting 5'8 position alongside Ethan Sanders at halfback. You've got a front row of Sam Tuavadi, Yeya Ayachi at hooker, and Orfag Meno as the other bookend. Dom Bestrada has finally reclaimed the starting back row position from his twin brother, Raf, and he'll be starting in the back row alongside Saxon Pryke and Big Miles Martin. On the bench, you've got Jacob John, Joshua Alzahim, Raf Destratus, and Genesis Talangi Suwala. Uh, sorry, Genesis. Uh, 18th man is Tyrese Lakenny. And yeah, uh, close to full strength for the Eels here. Uh, it looks like Terence Lafay has picked up an injury, but Blaze Talangi has been magnificent uh, in relief work for Terence. So I expect him to step up to the plate. Um, this is very much a full strength team, I think, because I, I believe Genesis is back from an injury stint. And aside from that, you know, the, the team has been very good for a long portion of this season. Yeah, they've had that run of seven straight victories after the first round loss. And, you know, it's interesting because, as you said, they've been in good form. But yet at the same time, I think they still haven't cracked what they're capable of in in terms of uh, a full 70-minute performance out there. Um, Actually, is it 70 or is it 60? It's 60 in the the mats, 70 in the ball. in the mats, yeah, 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 30-minute halves. Uh, so sorry about that. Yeah, I don't think they've they've cracked that full sixty minute performance. So we we've seen um, incredible peaks during games where um, you look at the opposition and think that they're just not going to hold them out here. And then there's those little moments where um, the opposition get a little bit of a sniff for a period of time. But um, yeah, if if they absolutely click, uh, it's. Oh, you know, look, I, I, I'd like to think that they're going to go close to taking out the title. However, as uh, we're often needing to do in rugby league, it is one week at a mm-hmm. time. And the Penrith Panthers, um, yeah, I don't know if you'd want a harder opponent for a grand final qualifier than the Panthers. You'd have to say that if, you, if you're looking to um, find the right sort of form or have the right sort of preparation for a grand final and have a tough opponent for the final world, you've found it in the Panthers. And it's it's almost fitting that it's the Anzac weekend because the the Harold Matthews, they've very much been a combined arms approach uh, this year. There hasn't been, you know, the back line being dominant or the forward pack being dominant or the halves being, you know, the sole carriers of the team. It's the one through to 13 and then the 14 to 17 contributing off the bench that have got them over the line this year. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that because... There's, as I said, there's been moments in games, and look, I, I like the foundation that the forwards lay, and then you've got um, the backs that, well, they they when they are laying that great foundation, like any rugby league team, the backs are able to play off it. And then you've you've mentioned about the uh, performances of different players, like um, you, you, where you were talking about um, Blazing, his 
his form um, in the last couple of weeks has been outstanding. And then you, or the last couple of matches, sorry, because they did have the bye last week. But he came in, I think it was in, was it the second last or third last round that he got the starting um, the, starting position? I want to say the second last round. Yeah, but even before then, when he was coming on as, uh, you'd almost call it like a super sub position yeah. where he was he was playing, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he was, he was playing like a lock role. But it was like a, it was like the extra playmaker. The, the way that the Queensland uh, Maroons tend to use their number fourteen as the extra playmaker through the middle. That's right. Yeah. So he'd been doing an outstanding job there, and um, so when he came into into the starting side, there was there wasn't really any surprise that he had, that he had a big game, um, getting the full sixty minutes there. But um, look outside of that, when you've got. Um, uh, a centre out there like Charlie uh, Charlie Geimer, who's, um, uh, well, I wonder, is he going to end up being a back rower? Because he's certainly a powerful runner of yeah. the ball. And um, he's got, um, as a centre, and I'm not talking about this as a as a way that he plays, but I, I think I've mentioned this before. He reminds me of Mick Cronin in the way that he, he, he sort of walks, the, the, the stance that he has. Um, there's, something, there's something about him there for... An old uh, follower of the Eels like me, where I look at him and I and I sort of look at the uh, the way he walks and carries himself, and I think, ah, geez, he reminds me a bit of Mick Cronin. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, doesn't play like him because I think he plays that um, uh, that power runner um, out wide. It certainly creates havoc there. Um, but uh, look, I suppose the best way to say it, and, and I think this is what you were getting at, is there's a great balance in that team. Yeah. And uh, like I said, uh, kickoff is at 11 o'clock a.m. out at H.E. Lebut Field on Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure if um, New South Wales Rugby League TV is streaming these uh, series of grand final play-ins. Uh, in the past, they have broadcast the, the grand final qualifiers, I believe, but they were also taking place at Leichhardt, so I don't know if the infrastructure is any different. Uh, regardless, you'll be able to get updates on TCT, so um, be sure to drop in and say hello in the game blog. Should, and, we, should we sneak in a live call, mate? Well... Uh, well, stay, I'm stay, saying this, no one's listening. Stay, yeah, anymore. stay tuned to that one. There, there might be some bootleg uh, radio going on. I suppose we'll, um, we'll have oh, to. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to cause waves. And I know no one from the New South Wales Rugby League's listening right now. But you know, if we just took some mics out there and did a, a little, <laughs> little quiet stream of the match. <laughs> so yeah, stay, stay tuned on any uh, uh, underground radio, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's a very busy day for myself in 60s because from there we're going to be, I won't say jetting over, but we'll be cruising over to Wenty Leagues and uh, maybe grabbing a, a bite at the famous Wenty Leagues Club uh, before taking part in a double header out there for the Jersey Flag and the New South Wales Cup, uh, the first of which is the Jersey Flag, which kicks off at 2.30pm, and it's a double header against the South Sydney Rabbitohs in both grades. Uh, so like I said, 2.30 kickoff out at Ringrose Park. Uh, the Eels coming off a last start loss against the Manly Sea Eagles, where they got run down after leading 10-4 at halftime. Uh, a few changes this week for them. Um, with, uh, and to be fair, some of these changes are listed as changes on the tip sheet on the, on the team sheet. Sorry, but they were actually late inclusions in the game last week. But uh, it looks like this with Tyrone Harding at fullback, Matthew Komalafi and Maui J Townsend on the flanks, Penny Oni Tohi and Jaden Skinner in the centres. Clayton Farlolo and Nicholas Tilberger in the halves. Uh, big Dave Hollis drops down from New South Wales Cup to the Jersey flag, probably to get more minutes into his legs. And he'll be in the front row alongside Kyle Schneider at dummy half and Jack Colavati as the other prop. 
Oliver Clements, Matthew Drugasicker on the edges with Jaden Yates at, hook, uh, at hooker, at uh, lock, sorry, goodness. On the bench, you've got Ethan LeBlanc as a utility dummy half with the big hyphen, Jonte Jr. Beffin Mesa getting his first run in the flag this year. Lennox Whitaker is also there. And Peter Tatio, who was a late uh, addition to the team against Manly and actually scored a try, gets his second Jersey flag game after finishing up in the SG ball. So, uh, yeah, a couple of cool inclusions there for uh, the big hyphen and for Pete as they get their just desserts after very, very good campaigns in the SG ball this year. Uh, and also you saw uh, big Davey Hollis dropping back, uh, which is understandable because you're sort of getting lost in the wash with um, some big minutes being played by other players in the New South Wales Cup at the moment. Yeah, and, and just before we uh, continue with the, the rest of this preview, um, seeing as though we're, we're in the middle of the, um, the pathways, just a bit of a shout-out to our regular guest, Joey Grimer. Joey was a bit under the weather, a bit unwell today, so he wasn't able to join us for this uh, podcast. So we'll get well soon and to give, give Joey. Him, given how much Joey's done for us, we're more than happy to give him the week off. Yeah, I, when Joey tells me he's crook, he's I know crook. He's crook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's not he's not. Uh, there's no half measures in being sick for Joey, so he's definitely got yep. it bad at the moment. Yeah. So um, yeah. So uh, mate, it's. We weren't able to get out to Brookvale last week to catch the uh, Jersey flag, but they were leading at half-time against the Seagulls. Um, got run down, well, probably got run over. It be, maybe might be more appropriate, but we went out there to make a judgment on it with the uh, with the second half and ended up losing, I think it was 28-14 to 14 to the Seagulls. Um, the previous week it was an outstanding performance against the Roosters. So... Um, I, obviously, they'll be looking to um, to bounce back. Uh, there'd been a, a few chop, a uh, bit of chopping and changing. Yes, I think. You, look, you're going to get that, aren't you, with these with the lower grades? That's that's one of the things about pathways is that um, what what happens in the in the top grade then tends to filter down. So mm-hmm. you've got some players that are returning to uh, football via the uh, New South Wales Cup. So there's changes that are happening with the New South Wales Cup that then pushes changes into the uh, Jersey flag. So we're seeing a few changes like Dave Hollis returning uh, to to that grade. That's obviously going to strengthen the team. Um, but uh, it, it does make it challenging for any coach like Dean Feeney in the Jersey flag because he, he, he has different players. You're, you're at the whims of um, a lot of other grades when you're in the Jersey flag as a coach. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and that's yeah. why we've been advocating for patience and, and and the like with his team, because there's a lot of circumstances around them that are making it very hard to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it traces right back to uh, having their first match in the third round by, uh, because of a bye and then a washout. So uh, they've had a late start to the season. And the form's obviously a little bit up and down. Uh, but we're certainly looking forward to uh, catching them at, at Ring Rose early afternoon. What's uh, it? Did you say it was 2.30? p.m. kickoff for the Jersey flag, yeah. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, so we'll, um, we'll be wrapped up with the uh, Harold Mats by, I assume, about 12.30 and then get over there and maybe grab a bite to eat before getting into the coverage for this game. Yeah, and of course, we, we will say we'd have a bite to eat at Wenny League's um, because that's that's nice in there. It's a nice club over at Winnie Leagues. Um, we'd much prefer to be over at Paraleagues as the home of the Eels um, with a game at Bankwest Stadium. But um, we'll get there the one day. At, with a game up at Darwin, um, we've got our relationship with the with Wenty 
um, with the use of Ringrose Park and uh, and the great venue of uh, Winnie Leagues alongside it. So, um, uh, yeah, looking forward to Saturday. And then we've got the uh, New South Wales Cup. The uh, <coughs> what's the uh, the other term for the New South Wales Cup? It's the, the um, knock on effect. Yeah, the knock on effect. That's it. So they they follow in a double header at Ringrose. So if we've got some Eels supporters that have uh, missed their fix of live football with having to watch it on uh, television from uh, Darwin rather than getting out to uh, Bankwest Stadium, then can we encourage you to, first of all, um, get out to Blacktown in the morning for the uh, the Mats uh, grand final qualifier? And if you can't get out to it, or if you can as well, um, head out to Ringrose Park at, at Wenty to catch both the Jersey flag and the New South Wales Cup. So how does the New South Wales Cup team look there, uh, Forty? Yes, sir. So kickoff of the New South Wales Cup is at 4.30pm out at Ringrose as the uh, main event in that doubleheader. And there's a few changes here for the Eels as they take on the Rabbitohs. So it's 5th uh, the 8th with the Eels holding 5th position. Uh, they look like this with Sean Russell at fullback, Solomon Iduki and Hayes Dunster on the wings, Will Penasini and Michael Oldfield are in the centres. Uh, Jordan Rankin and Jacob Arthur continue to hold down the Jays in the halves. Uh, Kai Rodwell gets a, a promotion to starting prop this week, and he'll partner Makahesi Makatoa on either shoulder of Joey Lusick. Uh, Ellie Elzegerham and Keegan Hipgrave are edge and lock respectively. And the big inclusion this week is Ryan Madison, who takes the slow burn recovery to NRL uh, duties as the club puts him into the reserve grade to get some uh, minutes into his legs. And then on the bench, you have Nathaniel Roach, Atasi James and Charbel Tassipalia, the pair of flag players getting called up again this week with Lalatoa Mata'afa as the 17th man, or the 17th player. There is no 18th man named. Um, yeah, and that's how the Eels look uh, for the, the New South Wales Cup. There are a few ex-Eels on the other side of the park. Uh, Jacob Gagai, uh, we got Troy Dargan, and I believe, is that PJ Vigalu was 18th man, Pele Vigalu? I think it is. Yeah, so PJ was a... Uh, a staple of the junior reps for us for a few years before injuries uh, bogged him down. Also James Hassan too, by the way. But yeah, um, good to see PJ still in the mix because he's a good kid. Yeah, yeah. So I, I reckon that's going to be an interesting encounter, mate, because um, again, the New South Wales Cup team like the previous week uh, had an outstanding win uh, in their um, match at Bankwest Stadium. And... Uh, Defeated the Dragons. It was forty to eight, was it from memory? Uh, forty to eight, I believe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and that was that was an outstanding game of football from the Eels, and um, uh, with, and it was a real bounce back from what you'd say was a disappointing performance against the West Tigers the week before. Um, uh, Jake Arthur was um, he, he just owned that game against the the Dragons. Um, then last week. The Eels seemed to be in control. They were uh, leading midway through the second half and um, the the Raiders were able to rally, uh, put it, get on some uh, some late points and ended up winning 30-22. to 22. I think they scored 18 un- unanswered points in probably about the last quarter of the game. So, again, um, we've, we've spoken to different people about the uh, New South Wales Cup team and um, with regard to their youth, and um, relative inexperience that we can expect that there will be a little bit of up and down in the games or even from week to week. And uh, given the number of 18-year-olds and young players that are in the team, it's perhaps to be expected it'll take them a little bit to find their Yeah, feet. and the fact that they've, they've consistently held their own this year 
across the uh, the first uh, six rounds is very encouraging, win or loss. So oh yeah, yeah. So even as I, as I suggested, it's um, they've they've turned in some excellent performances and um, and uh, it had the win against the uh, the the well, I suppose they've almost been the heavyweights of the um, uh, New South Wales Cup for a number of years, Newtown. Um, they're, they're, well, they're actually the reigning premiers because you have to go back to 2019 for the last New South Wales Cup mm-hmm. competition, but they beat them in their first match. Um, as I said, disappointing against West's uh, Magpies in the in their second match. Absolutely thumped the St George team in their third match. And, well, look, the Raiders, we spoke about it last week, didn't we, about the experience that was in that Raiders yeah. team. There's a, so, more more uh, than a, a couple of very capable NRL caliber players in that team, and you know the the fact that they took them the distance uh, is very very encouraging. So yeah, they they fall out of the top four as a result, but fifth place still has has them right in the mix in the early parts of the season. And uh, looking forward to a, a very good game against the Rabbitohs on the weekend. Yeah, and I think the uh, we're very much looking at the uh, halves to. Uh, get the team around the field to to control the match. So you're talking about uh, the up-and-coming Jake Arthur and the uh, experienced Jordan Rankin. And having someone of the calibre of um, Joey Lussick and Nathaniel Roach as the hooking options, um, for starting with uh, Lussick and then uh, Lussick tends to stay on the field, uh, when Roach comes on in the uh, from the uh, number fourteen position on the bench, they've got a lot of punch through the spine. They've got um, young Sean Russell at, at fullback, who's learning his craft against the uh, senior players. Uh, as we mentioned about the young players in that team that have come straight out of high school football, man, that is a big step to go straight from high school football into uh, New South Wales Cup. But you mentioned how they are holding their own at the moment, which augurs well for their development. Yes, sir. And like I said, kick off that game four thirty p.m. Um, and pending our ability to get a power source for my laptop, there will be updates for both these games. Uh, knock on wood. Okay, and that takes us to the main event, which is on Friday night, up in Darwin, the top end. The Eels hosting a home game against the Brisbane Broncos. Kick off at seven fifty-five p.m. Um, Broncos coming to this this one with a, a surprisingly resilient showing against the Penrith Panthers, and uh, you know, Parramatta wouldn't have been taking them lightly based on their round one encounter anyway, where they they bled sixteen unanswered points to start the game. Uh, but this is a, a very serious encounter, and the the Broncos coming in looking like this, and um, to the point where I think they're actually trying us on one selection, which I'll get to later. But fullback is Jermaine Asako, uh, the outstanding Xavier Coates on one wing with Corey Oates on the other, Herbie Farnworth and David Meter in the centres. Brody Croft and Tom Dearden, who uh, steered the team around the park quite well against the Panthers, have held their spot in the team. No Anthony Milford this week. Uh, front row of Matthew Lodge, Jake Turpin and Payne Haas. Alex Gwen is the captain on one edge with Tavita Pango Jr. on the other edge. Patrick Carrigan at lock. Um, and, I mean, they had to be trolling the Parramatta Reels, mate. They, not only did they go out and sign Danny Levi this week, but they've rushed him into the team. The, the player who always has career-defining games against the Heels, Danny Levi, uh, rushed into the team for the Broncos. And he's on the bench with Thomas Flegler, Ethan Bullymore, and Jordan Ricky. The shadow bench has Reese Kennedy, Tyson Gamble, John Asiata, and Jesse Arthurs on board with Kevin Walters as the coach. And for the Eels, uh, just a couple of changes this week for them. Clinton Gufferson as a captain and fullback as always. 
Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson, alongside Tom Oberchick and Maradon Yekore, head an unchanged back line. Dylan Brown is back from his one-game suspension, and he partners Mitchell Moses in the halves. Front row, as always, is Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Reed Marnie, and Junior Paulo. Back row is Sean Lane. As I properly is finally named to start on the edge instead of having to be Ryan Madison's replacement, and he'll be there in the back row alongside Nathan Brown. On the bench, you've got Oregon Kafusi, and what caused a furor on Team West Tuesday, uh, Will Penasini initially named <laughs> in the number 15 jersey, but that was a clear... Good old, good old... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, just hit hit W I L L and click the first name that pops up. And um, no, that's Will Penasini alphabetically, but the actual player picked was Will Smith. And um, that that started all the conspiracy theories going. The Super Coach and NRL Fantasy blogs are going into overdrive. Were they going to play him off the bench? Were they going to sub uh, sub him with Maradona Corey before kickoff? No, it's just Will Smith. Yeah, the the Smith Army knife, as we like to call him on TCT, um, being the super utility, super utility off the bench of Parramatta. Um, and alongside Smith, you've got Wurumu Greg holding his place on on the interchange bench after a, a very solid showing against the the Penrith Panthers, the Canberra Raiders. Um, and Bryce Cartwright rounds out the uh, top 17. Uh, the extended bench features Hayes Dunster, Jordan Rankin, Keegan Hipgrave, and Ryan Madison. The coach is Brad Arthur. So yeah, a lot of names there as always. Uh, got through them eventually. Uh, how do you see this one, mate? Mate, it's... It, first of all, it's hard to ignore them rushing Danny Levi straight into the team. <laughs> I think in previous years, would it be fair to say that he'd look at the draw and he'd be circling the, the whatever round he'd play the Parramatta Eagles? Not, not even a joke. I, I reckon that's how it goes down, mate. Yeah, because it seemed that he would always reserve his best form for whenever he came up against Para. Uh, that And look, I'm not going to take anything away from him because the fact is, he is a talented and competitive footballer and I'm I was quite surprised that he um, parted ways with each of the clubs that he's parted ways with and um, uh, he he just seems to reserve his best for Parramatta and I'm hoping that like last week it's time for history to be broken uh, for, for it to stop repeating and that he has a shocker this week. Yeah, he's uh, he's due for a bad game against Parramatta. He certainly owes us one or two, mate. Uh, look, I'm, I'll be happy if he just has one. Now, look <laughs> but on a on a on a serious note, I, I don't think it's a matter of us having to worry about is someone about to come into the team and and to change their whole dynamic. Look, I think he will add something to their team, but I think the first instance is we look after our own brand of football. That, that is always the case, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and we've. But the point is that there's been lessons. Like there's been for BA as a coach or as a teacher, he's had teaching points galore for the Eels over the over the first few rounds, where he's been able to show games like the game against Cronulla and the game against Canberra, where if you are patient, if you lay the platform, that and you and you don't go worrying about what the scoreboard says the points will eventually come because the type of football that we play, uh, that the Eels play at their best is a brand of football that absolutely wears the opposition down. So if we are completing the sets, we're kicking to corners, we're winning the middle. It's in with the way that the game is now with the fatigue factor that's there, we will roll over teams in the back half of the second half of games. Uh, There's and. 
if you have the patience to stick with it, then that's going to happen. And if I can just quickly go back to what Danny, uh, to to what Kevin Walters said to his charges at halftime last week, and I've mentioned this in um, in my bumpers up column, but I, I wanted to mention again in the podcast. So the message that was that was put to viewers on the um, coverage at, that that Kevin Walters said to his team at halftime was to be patient with the uh, to not get bored with their tactics during the second half to stick with what they were doing, which was they were working the Panthers through the middle, and they were not really chancing their hand quite as much. Um, they had their their kicking tactic that was to roll through the middle and then to kick to the corner to, to uh, Brian Toto. And uh, they were finding success through there. But what did we end up seeing in the second half? They were shifting the ball yep. too early. Yep. They just, they lost their, they lost their focus. They lost their patience. And then I think we even saw a, a point where I think Jermaine Sasako, he kicked on the first or second tackle. Second tackle, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, what are you doing? That, they, that, that had my actual... They had the Penrith on the ropes, and a score there would have just about made it impossible for even the Panthers to come back. That induced a real-life face palm from myself. That that was actually painful to watch. Oh, and, and you could imagine what the coach, Kevin Walters, was thinking at that point in time, especially with what his very specific me- uh, message was at halftime. And... There is a lesson there for Parramatta as well because the way that we played in the first half against the Broncos, the way that we played all match against the Dragons, it's not a question of effort. It's not a question of energy. It's a it's a, a matter of patient, intelligent football. And in in those two instances where we didn't display patient, intelligent football, we were in trouble. Mm-hmm. One, we were able to claw back because we we did the right thing in the second half, which was against the Broncos. But against the Dragons, the, the Dragons didn't relent from their game plan and it just made it harder and harder for us to come back. And we never... In, in fact, we just seemed to get worse with our, our lack of patience. The further the game went, the more impatient we became yeah. because the scoreboard and the time were against us. Yeah, and and to add on to the, the about you know fatigue being a factor and being able to execute your plan across eighty minutes, you got to then consider the conditions up in Darwin. It's going to be presumably hotter and more humid than what you get in Sydney. Um, and the Eels have managed to navigate that pretty well in their history in the top end. They've played six times prior to the twenty twenty one clash on Friday, with five victories out of those six attempts. And the games haven't always been pretty, but the Eels have generally prevailed on the back of being fitter in the back end of the games, the one loss coming against the uh, 2017 North Queensland Cowboys where JT came back from injury and put on an absolute master cast in order to be picked for origin. Um, how do you how do you see that factoring into the game? Do you think the Parramatta just focus on doing the same thing or do you change ever so slightly? Do you kick earlier uh, or you know anything else to accommodate the Darwinian conditions? If, if anything, you might have an instance where um, they kick earlier. I think what it'll come down to is um, when they get to that that fourth tackle, if they've got a an opportunity to kick deep into a corner where the the kicker's able to, well, let's say uh, Mitch Moses, it, it's going to be most likely. Although the opportunities will probably be there for Dylan Brown as well to kick, but if there's a chance to kick without pressure being applied to them, 
you might find that they'll kick on a fourth tackle mm-hmm. um, just to reinforce that territorial advantage because we we don't just want to be rolling through the centre. We want to be playing a lot of the football down at the other end of the field. Now, that might go without saying. It might be like the Captain Obvious statement. But if you think back to the the times where we struggle, it's where we're turning over the ball in the middle of the field or at our own end where we're not we're not playing, uh, we're not completing sets or we're getting a poor end to the set. So if we get a chance to execute the end of a set, um, a tackle earlier, I'd be doing that. Mm -hmm. As you say, the condition's up there. Uh, Every time you're getting the the forwards in the opposition team to have to turn around and run back and get behind, you're starting to see more and more often in the NRL this year that it's the third or fourth tackle before everyone's back on side when there's uh, when there's been a kick downfield, and I think the more that you're getting that you can get your opposition turning around and running back and doing it with a good kick chase as well because that's your, your kick's only as good as it's as its kick chase. But the more that you're doing that, the better off you're going to be. And as you said, the warm conditions up there are going to add into the fatigue factor. Absolutely add into the fatigue yes, factor. sir. And uh, moving away from general game plan stuff now, because I think we've got that down fairly uh, fairly well, uh, two players that intrigue me off the bench and how they're going to be used are Wiramu Gregg and Bryce Cartwright. Do you envision any changes for how they're used this week? If I'm Brad Arthur, I'm probably giving Wiramu about an extra five minutes. Um, Bryce Cartwright, it might be a little bit more because I think uh, he'll be looking to use him in a running role. Um, I don't. I'm one for at this point in time, um, not having uh, Bryce overplay his hand in the uh, in the ball skills department because we all know that he's got that uh, an amazing skill set. Now the criticism uh, people often have for him is first of all the defensive side of things, but secondly the the misuse of his skill set. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I look. I don't have a problem with a bloke chance in his hand, but I think if you've got a if you've got a, someone in your team who is not only capable of but willing to chance their hand, you have to have players around him who are aware that it's going to happen. And I just think it's a bit too early in the team from his inclusion in the team to have people who where it's second nature for them to expect a pass to be popped. I mean, or that's, I mean, that's fair. To come out from the contact. Yeah. So I'd like to see him just um, simplify his game because he's a, he's a big unit. Just, just hit those edges with his charges. Um, and look, he, he might even, as I said, he's such a big unit and he's very fit. They might even decide to put him in the middle. When he comes on, yeah, I can see that. So, if there's opportunities to exploit for taking forwards, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so again, in answer to the question, a few more minutes for Wiramu, and uh, potentially, I'd like to see about um, twenty to twenty-five minutes out of uh, Bryce Cartwright. No, good call, good call. And speaking of calls, it's time to call our shots. How do you see this one playing out on Friday night, mate? Jeez, mate, it's if you if you went on our second half performance against the Broncos, and you say we are going to 
we are going to play the sort of football that we produce that is our best football, which is the what you saw against the Raiders, what you saw against the Sharks, where we where we um, grind the other opposition into the turf and then the points come late. I'd like to think that we'll get a 20-point a win with uh, our score being up in the 30s. Uh, I, I, I saw enough from the Broncos last week to have, a, to have some concerns about the level of opposition that they're going to provide. I think they're going to provide... Um, uh, and I suppose this depends on the start of the game. Um, I think they'll provide a bit more opposition than what people think. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking we win, but it'll be between six to twelve points in difference. So um, what about you? I think on the Para podcast earlier this week, I went a little bit bolder, and I think I went twenty six eight. If I recall correctly, it might be in that sort of ballpark, uh, or twenty six ten maybe, or twenty six twelve. I honestly can't remember now. You know, a whole day and a half is a long time in my life now. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I went for a, a little bit more of a convincing victory, but I can definitely see that scenario playing out that you're suggesting because if Brisbane back up what they did against Penrith, and that's a it is a big if still because it is hard to go back to back against two top contenders like that. But um, they played a hell of a game against Penrith and were damn unlucky not to get the chocolates. So if they rock up like that, they will push us, and that and that would see us you know facilitating facilitating the sort of game you're talking about. Well, if I'm talking about that, I'm going for a scoreline of about thirty-four twenty-two. And uh, that, my friend, I think is a nice place to wrap it all up. Uh, as I said, kickoff is 7.55 p.m. on Friday night. Um, you can catch that one on uh, all sorts of uh, means. You've got Channel 9, KO, and Foxtel, so the, the big triumvirate right there. And uh, as always, look forward to the uh, post-game content with uh, Mitch's grades, my musings, and then following up into the following week with uh, Shelley and uh, Colmack getting their stuff in. And, yeah, as always, just uh, stop by the Common Furby's Week with lots of action in the juniors and say hello. And, mate, just before we go, um, I'd like to do a personal shout-out this time to uh, Yoko. So um, uh, Chanel's just gone over to New Zealand. to She's finally been able to go home to see her mum and dad, who she hasn't been able to see for just on two years. Um, she's uh, She left today. Uh, I'm missing you, Chanel. And um, enjoy your time over there with your mum and dad, and we'll, I'll see you when you get back. Well said, mate. And as always, thanks to everyone stopping by and everyone that helps the podcast be as fun and as great as it is. We'll see you guys on the other side. Cheers.